welcome to the Farmer Radio Show. Today, I'll be talking to a few farmers who are making new roads for women in Southern Wisconsin. Meet Chris Marion and Lisa Kivrist, farmers and a few of the founding sisters of the Wisconsin Soil Sisters, amongst many other things. So Lisa and Chris, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, it's been a while, so I'm excited to get caught up on all the things that you ladies are doing up there. Hey, thanks for to be here. Yeah. Well, um, I think to start this out, I'd love to hear from each of you a little bit about your stories in finding farming, because I, I don't think either of you have, um, you know, what what a lot of people might think of as that traditional farm family background, right? So um, let's start with Chris. Why don't you tell me how you found your way to the farm? Yeah, it is a fun story. I think all of us find our farm uh differently. And for me, I found it because I was sick. I was actually living in Chicago at the time. I had been there for 20 years, though I grew up in Pennsylvania in a much more rural setting. And uh, when I got sick with rheumatoid arthritis, I started to crave green spaces. So we moved to Wisconsin really just to get me into a place where I would feel healthier. I didn't have any hope that I would get better. I just wanted to feel you know, more soothed by being surrounded by green. Right. So I found my farm on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's funny. I wasn't planning to farm. I was just planning to rest. But the the country magic worked on me so well that I ended up diving into CSA farming after two years living in the country. Yeah, and I know we'll get to the rest of this, but you aren't um, resting still today. I would say that if anything, (laughs) from what I see on social media, it's quite the opposite. Uh, Lisa, what about you? I I think that um, your story is is that you found the farm kind of in a different way too, right? Yeah, a different way, a similar story to Chris's in that I grew up in the Chicago suburbs and didn't have an ag background, grandma's farm, but grew up in a a first-generation immigrant family where food and gardening and all was very much the vibe, and went to school and got what my mom still calls my normal phase of life, a job at a corporation in a cubicle in Chicago, and that's where I met my husband, John, and both of us, in different ways, maybe had our early midlife crisis in our 20s, but realized that wasn't for us, and started taking off across the border to Wisconsin, camping, biking, typical tourist stuff, and just fell in love with the area and the rural environment and seeing stars and started thinking crazy thoughts, like maybe we could make this a go and live here rather than just coming here on weekends. And an interesting side note on our stories between Chris and I, and there's a reason we call our farm in serendipity, because you start on paths and you just don't know where you end up. We both actually went to college together to Northwestern outside (laughs) Chicago. We were at the same freshman orientation picnic, we realized 20 years later. (laughs) And then we lived a couple blocks from each other in Chicago, never met. And here we are in rural Wisconsin, the absolute best of friends and cross-pollinated on so many levels. (laughs) It's when the right time is right, the right women in your life appear. I'm thoroughly convinced about that. So we're, we're here. (laughs) Yeah, there you are. Um, So Chris, how long have you been in Wisconsin? Again, if you could, you might've already told me, but. No, I have been here 13 and some years. Okay. And Lisa, 20 years or so? 
Yeah, we're heading into finally legal, 21. So you're, uh, you guys are Wisconsinites now. I don't know if that's a term. You're you're Wisconsin people now, really. I mean, you've been there a long time. Um, yeah, we're cheeseheads. Yeah. That's what we, that's what we're called. We're cheeseheads. So when I was doing a little research yesterday about Wisconsin, I ran across this, uh, you know, you're from Wisconsin, if kind of website, and it had all kinds of things. Some of them I won't bring up here, but, um, <laughs> I thought this was kind of funny. So I thought I'd get your ladies take on this. So, you know, you're Wis- from Wisconsin, if you've gotten frostbitten and sunburned all in the same week. Has that happened to you? <laughs> like yesterday or last week, totally. I think most of these yep. work for Iowa too, just so you know. <laughs> but yeah, it's called springtime, right? Um, yeah. You have, more, you have more miles on your snowblower than your car. For you ladies, it might be a tractor um, realizing that you live in the country. <laughs> you know what a bubbler is? What is a bubbler? I, do you guys know what that is? I've never heard of that term. Oh, yeah. It's a water fountain. Oh, okay. Yep. A water, a water fountain, you know, like when you go to the park. Yeah, yeah. And or in the high school, there, that's a bubbler. And what's awesome is there's a brewery near us called New Glarus Brewery, which is awesome. And they actually have released a bubbler beer. <laughs> so it's, it's a really, because New Glarus is a beer. I, I am a fan, but I know that you can only get it in Wisconsin. And so yeah. it's a true Wisconsin thing. So a bubbler is a drinking fountain. Okay, I've learned something for the day. Also, one of the things, you know, you're from Wisconsin, if you know how to polka, do you either of you ladies know how to polka? Oh, Lisa, <laughs> you go I first. Started doing that in the crib. No, did I, did I mention the <laughs> daughter in an immigrant family of oh. Latvians and Estonians? So, yeah, <laughs> that, was, that, that was in my genetic code before I moved. <laughs> That's it right in. <laughs> Pretty funny. Um, here's yep. just let me just pick out one more. Uh, you find zero degrees a little chilly. <laughs> I don't know why I had to laugh at that. I'm from Iowa, so you know we zero degrees is you know if it's in January, whatever. It's a, it's just a little cold. It's not it's not anything to stop you, right? Oh no, zero is a nice temperature to do chores. <laughs> Only you're moving around and you don't get too hot and yeah, yeah, it's, that's. It's about perfect. I love zero. Yeah. Okay. So here's one more because I need to know what this is if we don't have time to come back to this. Uh, have either of you gone to the Wisconsin State Fair? Yes. Um, I haven't. Okay. Well, in Iowa, the State Fair, it's like a, it's, you have to, if you live in Iowa, you have to go to the State Fair, but not every state is like that. So I completely get it. But it says you have eaten a cow pie at the, at the State Fair and I don't know what that means. I mean, I know what a cow pie means, but is it a certain food at oh, the state fair? It's not a state fair. It's a chocolate. Oh, okay. Like a, yeah, the blob of chocolate with like, I don't know, nuts and marshmallows. It's caramel. And I feel way oh, better. Yeah. Caramel. About it. It's good. It's like a giant, it's like a giant turtle. Have you ever heard of a turtle? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, good. So it's a giant it's a giant version of a turtle, I think. Sounds like a good reason for me to come to the Wisconsin State Fair. Yeah, you can go at any time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, at the State Fair, the big thing is actually those cream puffs that we that came up in our lawsuit about the cookie bill. Oh, really? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, you know, every state has their things. And I, I kind of figured, and you know what? We only have a minute left, so I'm going to ask you one more. Let me pick out one more of these. Oh, okay. So... You're from, you know, you're from Wisconsin. If Sunday morning at church involves lots of coffee, jello molds, and Danish, is that correct? Oh, 
Yep, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, again, you, you never go to coffee. You never, ever go to church having eaten. Yeah, because everybody brings stuff. You know, um, yep. again, being from Iowa, I mean, we don't, jello molds aren't really a thing here, more of a, like a jello salad, I would say. <laughs> so, uh, I occasionally see a jello mold, but definitely we call it, what is it called? Ambrosia. It's more like a mashup of jello and. Uh huh. Ambrosia. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) I'm kind of hungry now. Well, okay, ladies, I have successfully run us out of time for the first segment, but I saw this and I just thought I have to ask these, these ladies this because I think that, you know, you are Wisconsin women now. So, um, I want to thank everybody for joining us here. And I also want to remind you that we have, we do all kinds of fun things with FarmHer. You can find out all about that on our website, farmher.com. You can hear more stories, learn about our events, read the blogs, and of course, check out our merchandise. So don't hesitate to go check that out. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. And we are back. And today I am joined by two amazing ladies, Lisa Kivrist and Chris Marion, both from Wisconsin. And uh, we just had a little fun talking about all things Wisconsin uh, I want to dig in a little bit more about you ladies and what you do now. So Lisa, let's start with you. In your uh, bio on your website, it starts by saying that you are a national advocate for women in sustainable agriculture. I saw that you're a senior fellow, endowed chair in agriculture systems for the Minnesota Institute of Sustainable Agriculture at the University of Minnesota. Uh, I know you're the founder of the In Her Boots workshop through Moses, you're an author, you're a farmer, you you do so many things. Um, but I want to talk about kind of what what led you to that that uh, bio line of being a national advocate for women in sustainable agriculture. When we first moved to the farm, as uh, we were sharing earlier, well, what I didn't say specifically is we really didn't have a farming background per se, and this was all new territory. And it was quickly the women I met here locally and along the way that uh, took me in and mentored me and that I could go to with questions and found support in. And that really both rooted me here, but also inspired me, as with your work, Margie, to really champion these stories. So in a lot of my work with... um, both my writing hat of getting these stories out there. And then that led to the policy side. And even though women make up one of the fastest growing groups of new farmers, we're hardly represented when it comes to the farm bill, when it comes to specific specialized training programs. And in order to do that, we need to collectively amplify our voices, get more women at the leadership table and be dialoguing on these issues nationally. So that's where a lot of my, work in all these different hats I proudly wear in the agarina. Is it, is it kind of built over time for you? I'm assuming. Um, I, I've known you for a handful of years now, and I know some of these things have, have kind of grown and changed and, and maybe come onto your plate since then. But um, can you talk a little bit about like the growth in in becoming that? I mean, you didn't start out as a national advocate. You know, How did you get there? Like, What was that... No, and that was hard. It wasn't a goal per se. It just, I would say, accumulated over time, like you said, in that there's so much work we have to do, you know, and it's very inspiring to be around such a collaborative group of women and ones that are often underserved, be it in 
access to farming resources, be it into access to championing their stories or, again, ultimately those policy dollars. And there's a lot to be done. So, so yeah, I, I don't know. We're, we're, we're all busy, right? And all of a sudden we look up and we say, hey, wait a minute, we've been doing this for a while. A lot of good has been done and we still have yeah, a ways yeah, to go. We're never done, and let's right? Keep, keep at it. Um. I know that you ladies will never be done. I I know exactly, or I, I, the type of person that you are, you know, you're always looking to improve and help and be a part of things. And so I think that's exciting. Um, Chris, so you mentioned you're an East coast native, Pennsylvania, you found your way uh, to Wisconsin by, by way of Illinois. And uh, now you're a full-time farmer, but tell me a little bit about what your farm looks like today, what that entails, and what other things you have going on, because I, I know that you're not just a farmer. You, you get involved in many things. Yeah, well, I started off um, with a, a couple gardens, and then we made our gardens bigger and bigger as our community-supported agriculture uh, pool grew. I grew to about 165 families, and I had a crew of about six, teenagers that were full-time during the summer. So um, on either side of the summer, I would have to hustle and get some kids after school. Mm -hmm. But as my kids left, I have four kids. And part of the joy of being on a farm Mm -hmm. is being able to work on a farm. (laughs) And so it was great to employ their friends. And I had a, a, a really great crew. But as they left, I scaled back on the gardens, added farm to table dinners, Um, So that was more of a big push on the weekends. And then I eventually started remodeling my farmhouse to do bed and breakfast. And now my biggest uh, farm income is really from the B&B. It is is super popular. It it was very surprising how much people wanted to come out to the middle of nowhere (laughs) and watch chickens from my porch. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and as, as I got more involved with bed and breakfast, I had a little more bandwidth, a little more time and a little more energy to get involved in the community. So I started volunteering with my chamber of commerce, um, built a really large farmers union chapter, kind of starting with the soil sisters and then ended up being on the county board. And now I'm running for state Senate because it's kind of addictive to make positive change. If you're in the right position and you have the skill set to be able to do that, I mean, I I think that that's amazing of you to go forward and do that because not everybody, that's not everybody's skill set, right? But, um, but if it, if it fills your cup up, then, then go for it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I really love it. It fits me. I love little towns. And so, for me to be able to travel and get to know other small communities and advocate for them is like, mm-hmm. I, I just can't get enough of um, it. It's great. And one thing I know by my social media um, involvement is on your uh, bed and breakfast, you have a, a little camper. Is that right? Like people can book a stay there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have a, we have a vintage, um, it's called a holiday ram holiday traveler. It's from 1968. And it is a blast to stay out there. We have a record player in there and lots of vintage decorations and we treat it just like a room and people come yeah. and eat with us and use the bathroom with us. And it, it's, um, yeah, it's a fun kind of a, a, a I love it. kind of way to um, stay on the farm. 
yeah, maybe we'll have to book it sometime when we head up to Wisconsin. It sounds like fun. Yeah, um, you should. Yeah, come. It, it would be, be great to have you. We'll stock yeah, it with I mean, beer and cow pies for you. Margie. <laughs> I need yes, some cheese too. There is, there's a fridge in there and lots of <laughs> if there's lots cheese, I'll be treats. there. Uh, but the cow pies, I yeah, who knew that I would follow cow pies? But that sounds like an amazing thing to eat. So, um, <laughs> so one thing, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more. We only have about a minute left. Um, but Chris, you briefly mentioned the National Farmers Union and building the, that group through that. Can you tell me just a little bit about that community that you've worked through and what that's brought to your farm? Well, the Soil Sisters were instrumental in helping me build the farm. I mean, we sit around uh, eating potlucks and drinking and and coming up with amazing ideas for each other. So that was the first thing. The Farmers Union involvement oddly grew out of our desire to get this cookie bill passed in Wisconsin. The, um, The Soil Sisters realized that starting farmers markets was a great way to build community in our little towns and to get some more veggies sold, but we weren't going to succeed if we only had kale and lettuce. (laughs) And so we wanted to bake at home and sell those things at our markets and through our CSA and at our B&Bs so that we could send people home. Anyway, we encountered so much more pushback from the legislature than we realized that we enlisted the help of the farmer's union to, which, which has a big advocacy arm and kind of through working with them, we fell in love with the idea that there was an organization that was standing up for family farms and rural communities. And I kind of went um, gangbusters on recruiting and building that chapter. Cause I really think pulling together and having a unified voice is yes. the way to get, well, get change to happen. Um, I, so I love it. We're going to talk more went. cookies and politics here soon. We're going to head to break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. So we are back here on Farm Her Show, and today I'm talking to Lisa Kiverest and Chris Marion, both farmers from Wisconsin who are doing all kinds of amazing things um, in addition to farming. And so one of the things um, I, I kind of followed from afar as it was happening, and Chris, you brought it up um, in our prior segment briefly, you guys had... Um, a situation, I guess. I'm not sure exactly what you call it, but uh, talking about cookies, I'd love to dig in a little bit more, uh, Lisa, um, about what happened with the home cooking bill, because you guys were really trying to figure out how to help people make their farms more sustainable, their small farms, their family farms. And you had this, this situation happen. So can you tell us a little bit more about what happened and what you ladies did in response? You bet. So as Chris was talking about in the last segment, we realized that there was this ban on the sale of home-baked goods in Wisconsin, every other state except New Jersey, but we're working there too. It's legal to make non-hazardous baked goods in your home kitchen, basically the safe things that don't need refrigerated and sell them to the public. Obviously, this would be great diversification and another income source for farms. So we worked with the Farmers Union to introduce what we called the cookie bill, and it passed the Senate. It actually has passed the Senate multiple times, but for political reasons has never got on the House uh, Assembly side for agenda for a vote. 
So we realized a couple years ago, this whole process has taken five years, uh, that that was never going to happen and we needed to do something else. And we do have three branches of government in our democracy. So we walked over to the judicial side and with help, legal help from the Institute for Justice, that's a nonprofit legal firm that takes on these crazy cases like ours of, you mean you can't sell your cookies? And Chris and I and a third female farmer friend, Della Enns at Scotch Hill Farm, filed a lawsuit against the state of Wisconsin on behalf of this ban and that we as citizens, all citizens, if you read your state's constitution, have a right to earn an honest living and the government doesn't have a right to place an arbitrary ban. And that's what happened to Chris and I, we run a bed and breakfast here at our place too, and we can legally serve you muffins, but we can't sell you the same muffins. Well, that's arbitrary. Right. So then last year, in, in literally a year ago from here, so May of 2017, the, we had the summary judgment with the judge, and he ruled unanimously in our favor. It was awesome. He even quoted Thurgood Marshall. We were getting all politically nerdy. And then we went another round where our state still fought it. And do you know at the end of the cases in the people's court where they say we rule for the plaintiffs, the state interpreted it literally like, okay, the judge said Chris, Lisa, and Della can make, <laughs> which ah, is nuts. Right. So on October 2nd of 2017, the judge ruled again, basically saying, uh, no, I meant everybody in everybody. Wisconsin. <laughs> so <laughs> in the meantime, the nothing happened with the cookie bill because we're still stuck in political agendas. So we're in a very unique, actually unprecedented situation here in Wisconsin where we have a judge's ruling that basically says we can bake, but we do not have a law. And the positive side of this is it's been super collaborative of home bakers throughout Wisconsin. The vast majority who are women are getting together and sharing information and teaching each other and cooperatively building this new movement of small-scale food entrepreneurs. Yeah. I think, you know, it to me, it's so amazing because if it was just you by yourself and you felt like this was an issue, you know, you're not, you probably, everybody has a voice, right? But collectively, I think that's where, where you ladies have this power because you all care about this deeply. And by, by elevating your voices, like you've made national news about this. Like I, there was a point in time where I was seeing this everywhere. I kept on my, on my feed on social media. It was like, boom, boom, boom. Here they are a cookie bell, you know? So, um, kudos to you guys. And, and I think that's a lesson for everybody that we have, we have a strong voice and, and by working together, we have a really strong voice. Oh, you're so right, Margie. And democracy is so much more fun when you share it with your farmer friends. Chris and Dylan and I have had a lot of fun and we have learned a lot. We've learned a lot of patience because again, this whole process has taken years and we're not done. Uh, we've taken so many cookies up to our representatives. I think we put the Senate in a diabetic coma before Chris <laughs> gets there. But it also taught us that change can happen and sometimes you need to get creative and if things aren't working for you, bottom line, take action. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, kudos to you on the cookies. Uh, Chris, um, I, I have to wonder is, I know you mentioned earlier, you know, kind of your rise into, uh, local politics and, and being involved in national farmers union. Did, uh, some of this involvement and some of this like realization of, of finding that voice lead you to, I know you're running for state Senate in Wisconsin right now. Did, was this a part of the factor in, in pushing you to make that run? Oh, yeah. 
I, we got involved with the legislature through the cookie bill um, as soil sisters and a farmer's union, but we ended up going back to the Capitol several times a year to talk about roads or to talk about um, uh, farm policy and to talk about uh, school funding. Mm -hmm. So we kind of got an appetite for, and maybe a basic comfort with kind of being in those hollowed halls and, and, you know, talking to people in suits and having to dress up and be appropriate in all situations. So we got comfortable uh, at the Capitol and we've lobbied in DC too for farm issues and, and rural issues. And I think that all of that made me realize these are just regular folks and regular people are who is supposed to be leading us in a democracy. And, you know, I got a little taste for, for how change happens working with the cookie bill. And I thought, uh, I'm here all the time anyway. I should just move in to the office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that's so true because I I mean I tend to even think I I have a perspective of I talk to so many different people, but I still think oh my gosh, who wants to hear what I would have to say if I would go to DC and talk about this or that or the other, right? Because it's just yeah. kind of this intimidating thing. But what I'm hearing you say is proximity and getting involved made you realize that you do have that voice and and that you can be a part of this too. So I think that's. It's pretty neat. Exactly. And we actually do a Soil Sisters Shake It Up retreat once a year. It's grown to like 35 people sleep over at my house. We <laughs> just throw people everywhere. And we talk about what, how can you get involved in politics or leadership, whether it's at the town level, township, county, being on a committee, or just going for it at the state level. Because we do think women need to be asked. That, that There's data that shows women need to be asked to run. Yeah. I was asked to run for every office I've ever held. And, and so I'm, I'm really determined to ask other people to run for office. I think that's a key thing. I always, um, at our grow events for young women, one of my slides that I always have up there is, you know, be that person who pushes your friends and your peers, because I, I agree with you that for whatever reason, that's the way we're programmed. That's the way we're wired we need someone to push us. But when once we're pushed, right. we can do amazing things. So be that person. If someone's done that for you, do that for them, right? I think there's so much. Yeah, fun. absolutely. Well, and that's, it's that knowing that other women, particularly other women in your local community, have your back that is super empowering. And often these things happen and you don't even know it in that Chris is a great example of this, of all she's doing and running for Senate is rippling that I haven't told you this because yesterday we, one of our Moses in her boots workshops is at a dairy here in our area and the young woman farmer who's running it. I knew this whole process is a little bit out of her box and bringing the public in and mm-hmm. doing some media interviews and things. But her story is so powerful, and especially with the struggles we've had with small-scale dairy in Wisconsin. And she specifically said to me, well, Chris Marion said we should think out of our box, so I'm in. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah that's, that's <laughs> so a, that happens. It's power. We, we, we yeah. watch each other, nudge each other, and more importantly, catch each other. Yeah. Well, I, uh, that, I love that. Uh, we have to go to break now. I want everyone to hang with us. We've got a little more from Lisa Kivrist and Chris Marion when we're back. 
to everybody for tuning back in for today. I am talking with Lisa Kivris and Chris Marion, and they are farmers from Wisconsin, and they do all kinds of amazing things. So this is our, our final segment with you guys. This I, I, I need about three hours, I think, to catch up with you on all of the things that you're doing, ladies. But um, I, I, what I want to talk about now is Soil Sisters. I know we've touched on this a little bit earlier in the show. Soil Sisters is a group of women that has... Uh, come together. How, how how did Soil Sisters come together? Give, give me a little bit of the, the kind of the magic that happened to bring this group of women together. Well, real specific, Margie, when I started working with Moses doing women farmer training, we had a session in Madison that's about an hour north of us at the co-op and 30 women and people were introducing themselves. And when the third woman stood up from my county and my town and I didn't know her and I'm like, who are you? <laughs> and I want to get to know you better. And That's what started us now 10 years ago in 2008 to get together and start meeting regularly for potlucks. And various things have bloomed from that. But at its heart, our local network is still, as women work best, exceptionally informal. We don't don't have officers. We don't have a bank account. We get together over good food and some wine and coffee and things happen. So that has what has evolved into one of these offshoot projects is our Soil Sisters Tour Weekend, which is the first weekend in August. We have over 20 women farmers involved teaching on-farm workshops and giving tours and culinary events and all sorts of opportunities, uh, opening our barn doors for the public to come and experience what life's like around here in rural Wisconsin. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. I've known about this for years, but um, it's August 3rd through 5th for anybody listening. It's in Southern Wisconsin and it's a celebration. Uh, it looks super exciting. I actually have flipped open in front of me. Um, living the country life magazine did a spread about you ladies in their spring issue. And, um, for anybody out there who doesn't have this magazine, you should pick it up because you're going to want to immediately go to Southern Wisconsin (laughs) that first weekend in August. I, I am super excited. We're going to be visiting you guys, uh, for our TV show. So we're still trying to figure out exactly what what that looks like for the TV show perspective. But what I do know is that um, it's going to be fun, and I'm I'm super excited. So um, how how I mean, was it just that that group of women who everybody like collectively came together? And I mean, taking it from a supportive group to such a visible event. How many years have you been doing this event now? Well, well so I'm going to jump in here, yeah, because. The magic of the Soil Sisters is people like Lisa who love to connect other people. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you've ever seen Lisa in action, um, she's just constantly connecting. Oh, you would love this person. You, You guys are doing this. And she just connects, connects, connects. That's just one of her amazing gifts. And I think that she, um, kind of set a culture of we're here to lift each other up and connect each other and help each other succeed. And, you know, it's really just a, a culture. We, like she said, we don't have any structure, but after 10 years of hearing each other's stories, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's pretty easy to bring in new people who will connect to some of those current people. So I think the, the generosity of women uh, who love to work collaboratively are what, are what makes something like the soil sisters work. I mean, we prefer collaboration over lots of other ways of working. Right. And that, that shows. So have you said it sister. <laughs> have, 
have farms that are involved in Soil Sisters, whether it be the event or our women overall, have they seen um, positive benefits for their farm from this? I would assume so. You know, it's a lot of work to open up your farm to uh, to people, but you know, it's it's a revenue source for you guys. It makes the farms visible. It makes agriculture visible. Tell me a little bit um, about what that's done for some of these women and some of these farms. I think it's definitely, again, going back to that, having each other's backs and the support has encouraged us all to spread out in new ways. And here's, too, amplifying what Chris was saying, that when women support each other, number one, we don't play by traditional rules, and number two, we all win. So, for example, uh, when we first moved here in 20 years ago now, we were one of the, actually the only at the time, farm stay in the county. And now... We have five of our soul sisters alone who have farm stays in the county. Mm. And one could look at that as competition, but it is totally not because together we make our area look more interesting and we can help each other. And we all, when folks get started, uh, share what we learned and how we navigate the health inspector and whatever it may be. So, so people are branching out in those areas, encouraged by other women who are doing it. And Chris and I are really excited to see more folks, more women baking <laughs> and going to market. We have a new market starting in New Galeris this Friday that's organized again by women in our group and women are baking there and it just keeps rolling. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I am super excited to come see all of this because I've been kind of, seeing it in print and on social media and all these places. And it just, it, like you said, it makes me want to come there because there's this like thriving community there, rural communities. And, um, it's, it's exciting. Um, so I'd love to hear real quick. We only have a couple minutes left, but from each of you, I was going to ask for a can't miss part of the soil sisters event. But what I want to know, uh, is what's happening on each of your farms, just a quick flyover of, of what they would catch if they go to Lisa's farm or Chris's farm on that weekend. Well, I'm pretty busy this year because yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm in the middle of a campaign. So I will not be on the tour because like you said, it's a ton of work. It takes a ton of time for people to get their farms ready. And for my farm as a bed and breakfast, I don't really have anything to sell. Yeah. Um, so I will be doing a wool. I have sheep. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of my things is I process wool and I teach wool classes. So we'll do a felting class. And then this is really fun. And part of our mission to kind of bring other women into leadership. I'm going to do a, a class on farm advocacy and entering into politics. Awesome. Awesome. Spreading the love. Uh, Lisa, yep. wh- what about you? What, what's going to happen at In Serendipity? So here we're doing a couple workshops, too, on our book, Homemade for Sale, to help folks get cottage food businesses started. And for fun, barn board painting, but real barn boards directly from our home barns. And something new this year, we're experimenting with a class in drone photography, how to photograph farmland from above. And we'll be on the tour. And we also host here on Saturday night a fundraiser for Soul Sisters with pizza out of our wood-fired oven. And then also, too, the whole weekend kicks off on Friday with one of our Moses in her boots sessions, which are day-long, hands-on, on the farm. It'll be with Lauren Rudersdorf at Raleigh's Hillside Farm, particularly for women who are interested in launching farm operations. Yeah, I think I think that's so interesting. I mean, uh, 
that that no matter where you are in the country, I think if this is something that sounds of interest to you, any of these types of farming operations that that you you can tap into this resource too by uh, coming over that weekend. So I'm super excited. I I have no doubt I will walk away with even more of a love for uh, Wisconsin and. Uh, I'm excited to to be able to share the stories of you ladies and and your peers in this group because it's it's so unique. So um, thank you so very much for being a part of the show and sharing a little bit about what you all have going on. I know we've barely scratched the surface, but uh, I really appreciate the time today. And um, thank you all of you listeners for joining us on Shining Bright, the Farmer Show. You can tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern and Saturday at noon Eastern on Rural Radio 147 and the SiriusXM app. And don't forget to check out farmher.com to find out about all those events and all the fun things that we have going on to connect women through farmher. <laughs>